Welcome to the Quilter Circle Podcast. From piecing to quilting and everything in between, this podcast brings you tips and techniques from the experts and fun stories from quilters just like you. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Quilter Circle Podcast. I'm Ashley Huff, and today our guest is Terry Lucas. So Terry, thanks for being here. Thank you, Ashley. It's a great it's great to be here with you. Well, thank you. So let's start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh boy, that's a deep subject, isn't it? Um, right? <laughs> it can be as broad or as detailed as you'd like. Um, I'm a quilter. <laughs> mm-hmm. I bet you're shocked by that, right? <laughs> um, I, I would have never have guessed. <laughs> no, I, I have been quilting. Um, I have been a quilter for about 27 years. I started about a year after. Uh, I got married. My husband decided mm-hmm. that I needed a hobby, and and this sort of settled that. And it has gone from um, hobby to uh, slight obsession for quite a period of time, and into a professional career. Well, perfect. Well, so he said you needed a hobby, but did he pick your hobby, um, or you picked it? I I think. I, it, I think it just sort of flowed naturally from what I was doing in the moment. Um, mm-hmm. I, well, so my husband and I worked in a church ministry for a period of time. So, which meant that mm-hmm. we had absolutely zero cash, um, okay. expendable cash, you know, uh, yeah. these things happen. So yeah. um, I, I was, I had done a project for the church with the church kids. And then after that, it was getting close to Christmas time. So I made patchwork placemats for everybody in my family Yep. and matching napkins. And then somebody at one of our friends at church, uh, this couple got pregnant. And so I made, uh, my first quilt and I went to what would, what would be the equivalent of a big box store and spent probably $20 on fabric. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was definitely big box store quality fabric. And, right. right. Uh, one of my friends taught me the rocking stitch and Mm I, I hand quilted this thing and I thought the five hearts that I did over the surface of this quilt were like, it was just the best thing since sliced cheese. I'm sure that is probably the, that quilt is probably not being used anymore. (laughs) I'm sure it's still being loved. You know, it could be. It could be. <laughs> well, perfect. Well, so, okay. So, but what was your first, I guess um, you said it was a you know transition because you did the project with the kids, but so you had already had some experience with a sewing machine or was all of that all hand sewing and hand stitching? I had some experience with a sewing machine. Um, at the time when I was a teenager and a little bit younger, home ec was still a thing in school. So mm-hmm. um, I had the benefit of home ec. Um, my mom sewed some. It, my mom sewed, um, it, but she garment sewed. And for some reason, I don't understand body shape. But I made myself skirts for years because I, I, I wore yeah. skirts all the time. So I made skirts for years. And then um, as it, in my twenties, when I started quilting, all of a sudden, like everything 
made sense. And it mm-hmm. made sense in two regards. Number one, like I, I can sew a fairly straight and accurate seam, but also right. I was good at geometry in high school. Like that was the one class, the one math class that I never struggled with. So it was just sort of this natural, well, very slow natural progression into something that um, would have like that just became, you know, more of a hobby made quilts for everybody's babies and, and sort of have moved on from there. Right. Right. That's awesome that you, that you like that part of it, the geometry part. I always say, I love designing and making up patterns, but my husband does what I call my quilt math. Like I, I just can't do it. So that's what, that's his contribution to the design process. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's a if you think about it, it's a complementary skill. So, like you, you understand the the shape, the color, but he gets the the uh, physical space and how to how right. to uh, how to achieve that. So it's a great it's a great complement to one another. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's awesome. Like it's awesome that you can do both of them. Um, well, so you said it went from your hobby mm-hmm. to your obsession. Mm-hmm. When did it? transition into now your you know full-time career that transition started somewhere around 2006 I went to a quilt show in Lancaster with my quilt guild and walking around somewhere I saw these really adorable functional um, little purses with uh, made from placemats so Mm -hmm. you know it, that's that's actually a good size, and if you think about the size, it's about the size of a fat quarter. Right. Okay. So, yeah. So I would make. I, I started making these per these purses, these little purses from like placemat kind of things, and then moved on to making tote bags. And I thought I'd have this tote bag making business, and that lasted probably about three or four years, and. I had an outlet for selling them. My sister's family had uh, a gift shop in New Hampshire somewhere. And mm-hmm. um, so I, like, I, ha- I went through this whole process of designing them, making them functional, making them so that they would stand up and that there, was, there were plenty of pockets because we all know we need pockets. Yes. Um, yes. And I still, I still make them occasionally, but... Uh, when I make tote bags now, I have a definite purpose in mind. Like right. um, quilt market is coming up and I want to feature a friend's fabric line or a friend's tools or something. So I'll make a tote bag for market. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. I like it. Um, but so that's not what you do now, right? No, no. Um, like, I, I think like a lot of other people, we, uh, anyone who's in this industry goes through a process of figuring out where we're going to land. And we don't just do one thing. We often do multiple things. So, mm-hmm. um, I teach free motion machine quilting. Mm-hmm. I, uh, have had a blog for like 
15 years, I think, something along that line. Um, I worked for a publication. I worked for Generation Q magazine for about two years before we had to uh, let go of the publication. Uh, So I've been, I, I started on there as the blogger and ended up as the community editor, which for us was the talent scout. That's how I described it to everybody. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. and totally, totally love that job. And now I still, now it's sort of, uh, and, and at the time I also wrote for the publication. So I'm writing, I'm editing, I'm, um, uh, you know, I'm looking for people that we can get patterns into our pages and, and work with them and, and working on contracts and that kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. um, and in the middle of this, I'm still teaching and I worked in two quilt shops and I became a machine salesperson. And, uh, you know, so there's been a lot of ands. Now I'm coming mm-hmm. back. Now all of this is sort of coming under, not quite under one umbrella, but it, it, it all sort of feeds what I'm doing now, which is essentially hopefully going back to teaching whatever that's going to look like, but teaching with, um, with something that my students can then just take home with them and have sitting next to them, which is a, a big, a big thing. So. Gotcha. You mean, um, teaching to where they'll, they'll physically make something and take it home with them. Oh, I'm not that kind of teacher. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, they, they do take, they, um, so it, when I teach classes, I do something a little weird. Um, okay. I, I let I let my students know at the beginning of class that each one of us is going to be, whatever we finish in class is going to be what we finish, and we should be proud that we get there. So I have a whole right. plan. Um, it, it, and it's, it's kind of on paper, and the students get a copy of, like, here's, you know, here's what you can do during class. Some students take one look at this work their way through all of the stitching that we do and then are hungry for something more. And I, I always have, I always, as a teacher, I bring all my quilts to class. Like, so mm-hmm. they can look at my quilts and then decide that they want to pull some of the stitching motifs from that. I will show them on paper and then let them have at the stitching um, or mm-hmm. let them ask me to demonstrate something some kind of motif or use some kind of thread, what, you know, what settings would I use? Um, Then there are students who move at a slightly slower pace and I work towards accommodating them in letting them know that they're moving at their pace, that they do not need to keep up with the rest of the class. They need to keep up with themselves only, which gives them then the freedom to uh, do the stitching as, as it comes, they can, they can move at their own pace. So some students will go home with this fat quarter completely quilted and some, some will make it through like uh, 10 or 15 of the stitch designs and, and be thrilled to bits because somewhere along the way they, um, they have eased into stitching and it's, it's, they've started breathing. They've started to relax. They understand that they can slow down, that they don't have to put the pedal to the metal and, and they can just kind of move into stitching and that it's okay for them to move at their own pace. They don't need to keep up with Sally who's sitting next to them. Right. Right. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's the case, whether you're teaching beginners, intermediates, people who've been sewing and quilting for a while, everyone, it's always going to be different levels 
uh, all mixed together into one group. So I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, so you, I'm going to go back to the very first one where you hand quilted five hearts to now you teach. And you can also talk about, you have a book too on free motion quilting. How did you go from hand stitching to machine free motion quilting? And do you do it on a domestic machine or like a, on a long arm machine? I'm going to answer that last part of it first because people, I find people are often surprised by this. I quilt on a home sewing machine, a regular sized home sewing machine um, and have, and have quilted on like when I started free motion quilting, that's what I quilted on is a machine. That's exactly the same size as this one. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's got like to the uh, left, to the right of the needle, there's like seven inches of space, but I've also quilted, about a king size quilt on that. Um, okay, well, I'm definitely going to follow up on how you did that, but I'll let you finish <laughs> up um, answering the other one first. Okay, um, so way back, like uh, about 20 years ago, my husband and I took a cross country trip and I bought all of this fabric to make a quilt for him. And mm-hmm. um, I Along the way, I learned quite a few lessons that when I started working in quilt shops came in very handy, like um, Mm -hmm. keeping your fingers away from the edge of the uh, ruler so that when you're using the rotary cutter, your fingers stay intact. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and um, how to slow down and how to measure accurately and that, you know, if this ruler isn't working for you, get another one. Yeah. But that's a whole other story. Um, and I had, I started this, I started machine quilting this quilt probably sometime in 1990, late 1995. Mm-hmm. And we moved to our house that we're currently selling um, in 1998. And, um, I, I took after like after this move and after all my stuff being put away, I took one look at this thing after like I had it set up for quilting uh, uh, for hand quilting on my on my frame. And I'm sitting there going, I am so done with this. I, I you know, I, I just yeah. cannot stitch. I, I cannot take one more stitch. So I went to my local machine dealer. And I said, here's what I want to do. And uh, she said, okay, here's what you need. And she, uh, I bought a foot. um, And then she's like, and here's what you have. And here's what you do. You don't have to change the tension Uh, because your machine will self adjust and put the pedal to the metal and just keep moving. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I went home and I started and I actually bring this quilt with me particularly when I'm teaching beginners, because on the back of it, um, you can see I used black thread on the top. I used white thread on the back and, uh, mm-hmm. you can see the black thread on the back of the quilt because the tension was off. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, there are pigtails, which are a number of stitches kind of stacked right on top of each other. And, you know, yeah. pigtails look great on pigs on the back of your quilt. Not <laughs> so much. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, but after that, um, I, uh, sometime after that I joined a guild and, um, 
I actually tell, I tell this story anywhere. My one of my friends at Guild uh, was taking a class at a shop that was like an hour and a half away from me, and I would have taken the classes, but you know, working in working in the South Bronx and then going an hour and a half away after dinner was n- not quite possible. So right, right. At Guild, Renee would say that Elizabeth, who is the teacher of the class, said this, and Elizabeth said that. Well, I took what Renee said Elizabeth said and transformed that at home. And then at some point in there, I took um, at this quilt show in Lancaster, I took a machine quilting class that changed the mechanics of what I was doing and gave me a better understanding of tension and the, uh, one of the key pieces of that is when you're changing the tension, um, you need to lift the feed dogs into the highest position so mm-hmm. that the tension discs are open. Because if the tension discs are closed on any machine, you the uh, uh, any mechanical style machine, um, mm-hmm. the tension won't actually change. Right. And mm-hmm. I learned this the hard way by trying to t- change tension one day, going all the way up to 10, going down to zero and having absolutely nothing happen. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, uh, uh, you know, after the class, after Renee said, Elizabeth said, after this, you know, and after that happened, uh, there, there are a number of like milestone things that I did um, that just... And, and more of it was how I learned how to practice, which was on the fat quarters using like different types of fat quarters to figure out the stitching path on different designs and how I um, would take a look at fabric and I would go, okay, I want the quilting to show on this and here's how I'm going to manage that. And so I would take um, a color and I would put it on the fabric and I go, okay, this is going to work, or I'm just going to make it work, whatever. And then I would do right. some kind of stitching design on there. And, and, um, it, like over the period of about four years, I went from having pigtails on the back of my quilt to having a good understanding of the fundamentals. And, uh, in 2009, I, um, I designed a quilt called Twilight in the Bronx, which um, it's a whole cloth quilt that um, a number of people have thought that it was actually pieced just because of the way that I put the whole thing together. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to look that up and see what it looks like. Oh, my gosh. It's one of my favorite quilts. But don't tell the other ones because they do get jealous. (laughs) Sure, they do. Okay. Well, speaking of those other quilts, I do have to know how you manage um, to quilt an almost king-size quilt with... I'm going to say very little room under that machine. Um, okay. So for the first thing that you need to know is that I have dining room table syndrome, which is, which okay. I had a dining room table in my sewing room as my sewing table. So, and me too. That's what I'm saying right now. <laughs> right. And I am a five foot tall woman, so I am not very tall. Um, okay. So, the table, the table is actually at the wrong height to begin with. And then you add five or six inches for the machine. And, you know, I'm, I'm quilting in a bad position, but right. the benefit of a dining room table is that you have all the space around you. Yeah. And, um, so there are a couple of things. Um, uh, Paula Reed, uh, who is, you know, one of my quilting mentors, um, does this thing that she calls uh, fluff and stuff where she, you, 
shove the quilt into the machine as much as you can. Fluff everything around it so there's nothing uh, like around the machine bed so that there's mm -hmm. nothing that's going to get caught. Or when it does get caught, you'll, you'll get a good sense of it and can stop and fluff and stuff. And then mm -hmm. just recognize that you're quilting something the size of a pothole. So it's just, it's then managing the bulk of the quilt. So when I've got most of the quilt in the machine, I'm making use of uh, my body to hold it. So I'm sitting close enough to the machine where my body can hold some of the weight of the quilt and I can get my hands near the needle, and, which also mm -hmm. means that when I stop needle down, I can then take both my hands away from, um, from where I'm quilting and then fluff and adjust the quilt. So it's kind of this, um, process where I'm just, um, holding uh, either letting the table hold the the bulk of the quilt depending on where I'm stitching or using my body to hold some of the quilt and I don't I don't let it go into my lap uh, so I'm sitting I'm sitting that close to the machine because mm -hmm. in the lap if it's in the lap it's going to cause drag which will make it look like there's tension problems on the quilt but it's not tension well it is tension but it's not machine tension it's it's the right. the quilt drag yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. okay well so but do, do you find though that because I'm just picturing I mean a very very large quilt and when you're trying to you know stuff it under there you're still able to get to essentially the center of the quilt and not have um you know overfilled that space with in your machine there um I I have with that particular quilt I shoved about 75% of the quilt, maybe 80% of the quilt into the machine, um, it, which I know sounds really odd, but when you're just kind of taking your hand and sweeping it, you're kind of creating um, your ear, either like just creating this big mess or you're creating little folds that will help you kind of manage the bulk. Um, but the, when, when I'm pushing them, the quilt in I'm being mindful of where things are and and making sure that I'm I'm holding on to in some way uh that the bulk of the quilt so that way all I need to be able to do and and quilts are squishy depending on the batting that you're used quilts can be pretty squishy so as long as I can get my hand my right hand into the harp I'm fine Gotcha. Okay. So then my next question is, um, are you pin basting this and how many injuries have you gotten? If so, <laughs> uh, when I first started machine quilting, I did pin baste and I probably still have, um, if I had a sewing room, it would be around the sewing room. Um, but I, I, I probably have somewhere in the neighborhood of about a thousand pins. Um, mm -hmm. Did I damage myself probably more than once trying to open pins? Um, um, I probably damaged myself more as a hand quilter because I I never got the mm -hmm. hang of wearing thimbles on my left hand uh, where the yeah. needle was going down into. But um, the, the thing that I would do quite frequently, at least once a month in quilting is... I would be stitching along and I would get so into the groove of 
stitching that I would forget that I needed to remove these pins and I would go by and all of a sudden I would realize that I hit the pin and my machine just kept going. Oddly enough, this was the craziest thing. Like I would hit, I would stitch through that pin Mm-hmm. and my machine would just keep going and um and this, the next series of stitches were just as fine so i i stitched through the pin i didn't damage the needle that i was working with and the machine kept stitching i am so amazed that i never threw the timing out on the machine <laughs> was well, you must have a, a heck of a hardy machine there um i have the machines that i've been using for the last 20 25 years are bernina's so yeah they're pretty sturdy stuff Nice. Good. Well, perfect. Well, so um, I kind of want to come back to something we had mentioned earlier on, and that is um, in terms of teaching, but you also have a book Mm -hmm. uh, that's coming out. So can you kind of give us an idea of if someone is wanting to learn free motion quilting um, tips and techniques, that kind of stuff, is that what's covered in your book? Would they be able to learn it from you? Yes. Yes. Perfect. Oddly, oddly enough, yes. Um, the name of the book is, it's, it's so weird that, um, the, the title of the book is Color, Thread, and Free Motion Quilting, Learn to Stitch with Reckless Abandon. And in there's also 36 hand-drawn quilting motifs as part of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I Over the years, I have kind of done this... It, uh, deep dive into understanding, and I don't understand all of it, but understanding thread weight mm-hmm. and needle size and how to pair them together along with tension and how uh, our environments can add to, it can add to things. So mm-hmm. um, in any beginning, in almost any class that I do, I will spend a good 25 to 40 minutes, depending on how much, how the class is engaged, talking about uh, thread weight and needle size and how they Mm -hmm. work together to create a a good stitch. Um, And that's all covered in the book. And one of the things that I really really loved that CNT did was they put this chart that I created with the needle with the thread types, the needles, the needles that I use, whether it's a microtex or a top stitching needle, the size, and um, and I think there's one other piece of information in there, but it's a good thing to to just have uh, right there next to your machine, kind of as a resource, because if you're having, uh, you know, if you're working with a 50 weight silk and you've got a size 80 needle in there or size 90 needle and something's not quite working right, you know, you can go look at this chart and go, okay, 50 weight silk. I should probably be using, you know, a size 80 needle, a size 80 top stitching. If that's not working, then I can size up and still have everything work really well. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's a good resource to have, not even just for only free motion quilting, but just in general, knowing what combination of needles for all that to be using. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's definitely a handy resource to have. So um, can you give us an example of some of the other, I guess, maybe a tip or something that that I don't want you to give away the whole book, of course, because I want people to go buy it, but like something that uh, is a good either, you know, tip that you put in that book that you want to share or something even that you've just 
picked up over the years that you've learned that you want to pass on to somebody just getting into free motion quilting? It's kind of, well, for the first thing, the first biggest tip, the first biggest experience that I can share with anybody is that free motion, we become the more we quilt, the more we free motion quilt, the better that we're going to get. And it's going to take some time. I, mm-hmm. I, what I do now and what I did when I started are two entirely different things two like right. completely different things back in the day. And I, um, a hundred years ago when I started quilting free motion machine quilting, I actually used stencils to get to draw designs on so that I would have an idea of what might fit in that space. And if that is your area of comfort, like you, and and that's how you want to do it, go ahead, like use the stencils, use the tools that are available and experiment with them because it is in experimenting with them that we um, we expand our understanding and our skill set in terms of free motion. Um, mm-hmm. I think one of my favorite stencils was uh, the butternut stencils that I used on my husband's uh, on Bob's quilt, and mm-hmm. I can actually see like three other ways or five other ways now that that stencil can still be used to create a framework within to, within which I can do some, like create some of the crazy stitching that I do. Um, yeah. And the other thing is um, it, throughout the book, I use, uh, there's a section where I have um, color wheels. Uh, they're mm-hmm. stitched out color wheels. And for the, Roy G. Biv and a couple of others, a couple of other backgrounds, I used all the same thread in each. uh, So I had like six reds, six yellows, six oranges, six greens, six purples, six blues. And I used each one of those on these different backgrounds and, Mm -hmm. and did different kinds of stitching so that I would do some stitching that was really close together I would do some stitching that was further apart. And what that gives me is an idea of what this thread can do or how this thread can work. Um, mm-hmm. My other, my other favorite thing, and, and this is kind of, this goes back to like 2006, 2007. I watched uh, another quilter, Joan Wolfram on Simply Quilts. And she talked about the color wheel and how we can use that in our quilting to help mm-hmm. us get an understanding of color relationships and what might work. Like if we're, if we're working with blue, you know, if you're looking at a simple color wheel directly across is orange. So how do we, you know, this is a natural pairing. It's something that we can actually, you know, that we can work with and have great success. Um, mm-hmm. Well, C and T actually has a poster of the color wheel, the studio color wheel, and it's actually expanded out to 24 colors with shades and tones uh, so that you can see richer color, richer shades and tones of uh, richer and brighter shades and tones of each one of the colors so that you can pull that all together. Part mm-hmm. of that is they have uh, what's the, called the three-in-one color tool, which is portable. It'll fit in whatever you're carrying all your stuff around in. And mm-hmm. in the back of it, it has um, these red and green filters that you can look through 
to get the value of what you're working with. Well, through the process of machine quilting, I realized that, okay, I can use this for fabric to achieve Mm -hmm. what I'm looking for. But then further, I can use this with my thread to, to get a completely different look. So if I've got a fabric in my quilt that I don't like how it's playing, I can find a thread that will either highlight the heck out of it or knock it back, depending on what I need. Right. I think that's awesome too. And I think a lot of times people think of free motion quilting or any kind of quilting done in a neutral color to sort of I don't want to say hide, but kind of, you know, because I think a lot of times people think that uh, the piecing should be the star and that should be highlighted with quilting, but the quilting generally is done with a, you know, a neutral color. So I think it's great that you are doing essentially not that (laughs) and doing it with very bright colors, vibrant colors, and finding ways to pair those, you know, fabric colors and thread colors together. So I think that is awesome. I, 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 in one sense with, uh, with what I see in a lot of quilting right now, and, and, and I kind of, I kind of like it. It, it's, Mm um, it, it's sort of, there's, um, there's sort of this whole, kind of like you were saying that the quilting isn't, the quilting isn't the whole thing. You know, it's not the biggest part of it. And, and what we do what, as free motion quilters, we can complement our work. It doesn't, essentially we're kind of trying to hide our quilting because, mm-hmm. and, and, and I can, I kind of, I actually very deeply get it. There are times when I want, you know, I've been doing free motion quilting for 15 years. There are times when I want to bury it in the backyard and let the dog find it maybe. Um, yeah. But, um, but our, our quilting doesn't, our quilting doesn't have to hide. We don't have to let it blend in to everything. We can let it speak a little bit more and, and, and let our own personalities come out a little bit more. And, and I, I think that it is, um, I think one of the things that this book will do is help you figure out kind of, who you are as a free motion machine quilter. And if you want your quilting to blend in, I'm totally fine with that. But if you want your mm-hmm. quilting to sparkle a little bit more, add that just little something to your quilts. Here's that tool for you. Here's that resource that you can have um, yeah. it, that, that will kind of help you move through um, uh, kind of the voices. That, I don't know about you, but sometimes I have voices in my head that are telling me that what I'm looking at is absolute crap. And um, mm-hmm. I, I think everyone has that at some point in time where you're like, this just is not what I thought it was going to be. Right. It And, and that's not a bad place to be in because there is some truth to that. But I, a lot of us forget that we're working six inches from our quilt. So we see everything. So we know where all the bodies are buried. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think once, you know, once we hang it up on a wall and, and get to actually step back and we realize that those things that we saw at six inches when we're working on it at 10 feet or even a foot and a half, you don't see those things anymore and that it's actually okay 
to not rip out all the stitching. It's okay for our quilting to show. Then I, I think it, you know, we have a, a, a great opportunity to uh, take our quilting to a different place. Yeah, absolutely. But you have to be, and like you said it even earlier on, not afraid to, to do it. And like you said, where what you quilted years ago and what you quilt now look nothing alike. So just because you may not like what you just did, doesn't mean you're not going to like what you do a week, a month, a year from now. So you just got to keep doing it. Yep. Um, I don't know if you're, well, you've been around the quilting world long enough. Um, we, we were seeing that 10,000 hour to mastery principle kind of fly Mm -hmm. through the quilting world a few years ago. And, um, when I taught, when I teach machine quilting, and I think I mentioned this in the book somewhere, but it, I kind of do the 5,500 hours, mm-hmm. you know, it takes us about 50 hours or one week of work to uh, become comfortable with the process to kind of get it. Like if this is all we did by the end of the first week, we would, you know, we would be kind of comfortable with the process. By the time, you know, 10 weeks roll around or 500 hours, again, if this is all that we were doing, um, then what would happen is we would kind of ease into the process and we would stop thinking so hard about what this looks like and kind of just dive in and do it. And then you get to those you know, those hours, you keep quilting and those hours build up. And by the time you hit a thousand hours, you're going to see something change. By the time you hit 1500 hours, that, that something will change. I, I couldn't tell you how many hours I have into machine quilting, but I, uh, when I lecture or when I show my quilts, I will show you, here's the milestone quilt. Uh, here's a quilt where I tried this and, and, and I will tell you, um, it, it's not so much about setting aside the fear. So, you know, I think it's about, about walking through the fear, but also knowing that there are other people, um, like all the machine quilting teachers or, you know, your friends who have, who have walked through that and are more than willing to give you all the good advice, like, um, mm-hmm. like slow down slowing down actually makes you significantly faster weirdly right. i agree and, and and you need to be able to um not be afraid to ask those people that you know have already done things or, or are already at the mastery part ask them for help or you know follow them or reach out to them in terms of t- taking classes from them learning from them and all that together you will definitely continue to get better Exactly. Exactly. And if, if I, I will, um, I'm the first to admit I'm not the right teacher for everybody, which I know sounds a little odd. Um, but like, kind of like with learning math in high school, I had some really good teachers that really, you know, were able to walk me through whatever I needed to get to the, to the end. And then I had some teachers that no matter how I asked questions or not, no matter how I frame questions, it, they were, they, the information that I was getting back was not helpful. So if, if machine quilting teacher A uh, helps you, but machine quilting teacher B, uh, there's some kind of disconnect there. Well then, you know, either go back to A or find 
teachers C, D, F, Z, P, Q. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we, we will all in some way then inform what you're doing as a quilter and then things will, uh, over time, things will kind of fall into place and you'll find your rhythm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why there's there's never just one teacher for something. There are many, many teachers, many different styles, and you are, you're bound to find the one that you could have seven people saying the same thing and one of those is going to click and you're going to be like, oh, I get it now. So uh-huh. yeah, absolutely. Yep. yep. Perfect. And, and awesome. the, the biggest, the, the fine, like the biggest tip I would say is yeah. just practice. That, mm-hmm. that practicing time is so incredibly valuable. Like it, I, it is, it is an investment in yourself. So just go ahead and practice. Yeah. I agree. I think a lot of times people are, um, they want to, they want that finished perfect product, mm-hmm. but you can't get there unless you practice. Exactly. And exact. And, and here's the thing, like, um, we all have, uh, babies in our lives or, you know, places that we can donate quilts. So if our quilting isn't quite what we, what we envision in our head, there's charitable organizations or little kids who will love these things to bits because what they will see is the love that was poured out into it. I agree 100%. Absolutely. I love it. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for for chatting with me and and talking free motion quilting and tips on how to manage bulk of large quilts, which I'm still impressed with, by the way, (laughs) and uh, um, sharing all sorts of fun quilting stories. So thank you. You're quite welcome. Thank you for having me on. 